0: How do we do church in the 21st century? How do we do church in a new pandemic era? Hello and welcome back to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and our very special guest with us on the show is Benjamin Windle, a millennial Gen Z specialist pastor from Australia, who's here to talk about his new Barna Ideas paper ebook, Digital Church in a Lonely World. Benjamin is the pastor of Life Place Church in Brisbane, Australia. He has over 20 years of pastoral work experience in the States and Australia and is an author, speaker and businessman. His content has been featured on Right Now Media, the Barna Group, the Aspen Group and the Glorify app. His Life Minute brings 60 seconds of hope to an estimated audience of 1 million listeners. Benjamin, hi, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Brad. I'm really looking forward to our conversation together today.
0: And that's I'm inspired by the one minute and one million people. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, we've been doing that. uh, We started that on radio here in Australia uh, 13 years ago. I was doing weekly sermons, right, which they would trim down to, like, 26 minutes. And it was actually the producer of that station who said, you should just do, like, one-minute clips. And I resisted it for some time and then thought, you know what, let me give this a go. And it immediately became much more popular, to my disappointment, much more <laughs> popular than my sermons. <laughs> and it has kind of developed a bit of a life of its own. And, um, you know, I am amazed at how effective uh, what a 60-minute audio piece can be to bring encouragement or hope or a little bit of wisdom into somebody's life.
0: Mm, yes. You can You can say a lot in 60 seconds on radio. You really can. Uh, the advertisers have been working on that for years, or 30 seconds, actually. Now, Very true. The, the, the book starts with your own COVID church experience and and really broadens out from that. So what was your experience with church, doing online church during COVID?
1: Well, let me say this. Um I've been a pastor, a local church pastor for 20 years, but also I'm a pastor's kid. I've been raised in it. My father pastored uh, for decades, my wife's parents pastor. So I am immersed in this thing called the local church. I love pastors. I love the church. I believe the future is bright. But when the pandemic hit, I think like all pastors, um, wow, it was the real deal, Um Deeply challenging, uh, raised a lot of questions for me, um, impacted our church in very significant ways. And I think for me, it revealed a lot of things about modern day Christianity and the church didn't necessarily create them, but it revealed certain trends or questions or challenges that we're facing. And of course, one of those tension points that rose to the surface was regarding how we view technology Mm. and weaved in with that, how we really perceive what community is all about.
0: Yes, and this is a book very much with has about three strands to it. One is uh, technology, one is church community, and one is the um, the, the Gen the, the Gen Z and millennials. And I want to come and explore all those strands with you, if I may. Uh, I wonder what sort of advantages digital church has that in person live church doesn't, though. Uh
1: not many. <laughs> not many. Uh, it depends who you ask, Brent, but for me, it comes back to how we define what church is and what community is. If you ask the question, what advantages do digital platforms have for content delivery? I would say, well, enormously so. I mean, here we are doing a podcast and there's a good chance this podcast is then represented on various platforms. So in terms of information delivery, content, tools for discipleship, the digital world offers us uh, – enormous opportunity but if you're asking does it provide us with uh, an advantage over a real interpersonal human flesh-on-flesh community and i would say i i think we we lose something when we only build community through the small sheets of illuminated glass that we hold in our hands
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, i wonder what you write i think at one point in your book i view in-person community as the ideal while maintaining the need to boldly innovate in digital solutions i I love that how do we do then technology and in-person community
1: i think we have to bring definition and that enables us to do both things well without one replacing the other. So I'll give you the pool of context in which I drew that statement from. And that is this. I went and did a study of what community looks like in the New Testament. And there were seven different layers of what community looks like. And I'm not sure there are more, but there were seven primary layers. Out of those seven, there were three that the more I researched how local church community looked in the New Testament. It was very hard to make a case that you can do those three things more effectively, if at all, through a screen. And so the idea is let's bring definition to what do we mean when we use words like community? What do we mean when we use words like the local church? And bringing a separation between those words and phrases like digital spiritual formation or digital tools or digital innovation and discipleship of which we need to significantly engage at a high level than what we are right now within the church so Mm -hmm. i'm not advocating living in an analog refuge right in a digital world where we try and ignore the mega trends I think we've done that broadly as a church, and that's failed us. We need to embrace and lean into the digital world more and not less, but within the definitions of what we see or can extract within Scripture of these massive trends.
0: Yes, I'm going to come on and ask you about the trends with the Gen Zers and Millennials in a minute, but what does the Bible say about community
1: anyway? Well, I think it says a lot more than what a lot of people would realize because when you take a look through the fairly explicit, detailed information given to us in the New Testament about what the, the New Testament church looked like, I mean, oh my goodness, um, it's amazing, it's rich, it's deep, it's, it's inspiring to me. And I'll give you quickly these three layers of New Testament, New Testament community that really jumped out to me. The first was this interpersonal responsibility, the second was inconvenient hospitality, and the third was institutional physicality. Now, if you take interpersonal responsibility, here's what I'm saying. In the New Testament, it wasn't that the pastors were responsible for every person and every need within the church, but we get this sense that each person had responsibility for their fellow brothers and sisters in christ which is why literally that phrase brothers and sisters is mentioned so many times in the new testament and so we get thoughts like acts 21 to welcome guests warmly uh, and, and again these are not like oh leaders need to do this church programs need to do this no no like every believer needs to do this mm-hmm. live in harmony with each other first corinthians 1 Hebrews chapter 13, love each other as brothers and sisters. James 2, provide food and clothing. I mean, when I start to read things like that, I'm like, wow. Um, The degree of responsibility that the average believer had to care for each other within the New Testament, it was a pretty high bar.
0: Yeah, I wonder whether spiritual growth happens best in community, do you think?
1: I do. Um, I know that's been the case within... My own life, um, and that brings me to the second layer. I think the reason why we grow best in community is because of this word, inconvenience. And I think, and look, I'm I am a part of the reason, or, or, or the, I guess you could say, a part of the problem here, that we have made the modern church so convenient. And we've removed so much friction from the experience of what it means to be a part of a local church that you can almost be a part of a church and be convenienced in almost every way. But I think in doing so, we've robbed ourselves of something that we see in the New Testament. And that is what it meant to be a part of a New Testament community was very inconvenient. Mm. And The thing that I think is so important about this is that true friendship only starts when we are willing to inconvenience ourselves for each other. And it's right there within community that I'm willing to inconvenience myself for you, and you're willing to inconvenience yourself for me, that it causes something of our growth because it stretches us, it places something on us that causes us to need to go deeper. So for me, to give you an example right, of how this played out in my own journey as a pastor's kid, I was ready to walk away from the church at the age of 17. My church was very small, my dad's church. We had no youth ministry, right? <laughs> and I'm like, there are other churches that have great youth ministries and cooler programs. I think I'm done with my church. And some young adults, completely unchurched, uh, found, found Jesus And became new Christians. And I was like the only other person near their age in the church. And so I became like the new Christians leader of these people. (laughs) Yes. And it was truly my saving grace because now they came to me and asked me questions. And you know what I had to do? I had to go away and find answers. Mm -hmm. I had to go over to their home when they were in need or they needed prayer. I had to inconvenience myself. And being in a community where I wasn't just taking and I wasn't just a consumer, but being in a community where I had to give back, and I had to use the gifts that God has placed in my life, it grew me much more than just attending a service. And that's what community does. It puts a demand on the gifts that have been placed in our lives. Uh,
0: let's come on and talk about millennials and, and Gen Zers, of whom you are one, Uh I believe, why are so many millennials and Gen Zers or Gen Zers walking away from the church, do you think?
1: I am a millennial, um, and I'm on the oldest bracket of millennials, so I'm a bald millennial. <laughs> Some of us <laughs> are millennials, are older than what you think. But there is a massive trend. The Barna Group has done research that showed 64% of millennials and Gen Z that are raised in the church have walked away from the church. It It is is a a massive number. It is a
0: massive number, yeah, sure.
1: It is a massive number. And I look at that as a pastor. I'm like, man, at some point we should have seen every light on our dashboard within a church flashing red with these kinds of 6%. In certain industries or business contexts, that would be a massive number. When you're talking 64%, just think about this for a moment, Brett. I was in Singapore just this week, and I was having this conversation with pastors there, and I said, there's such a contradiction in some of our, it's well-intentioned mission that we have to address. So, for example, we will all talk about fulfilling the Great Commission as believers and as pastors and as church leaders. Go into all the world. Make disciples. How does it make sense, though, for us to go into all the world and we're losing our own homes, Mm. we're losing our own families, we're losing our own sons and daughters? And there's a contradiction within that to say we want to reach the world, but we're losing those closest to us that we really need somewhere to press the emergency button and say this is a crisis and it needs to be looked at, it needs to be a A primary part of our conversation as pastors to look at the reasons why. And I'll tell you this in summary, Brent, it is not because of external threats. It's not because our world is turning more secular. It's not because of political reasons. It's not because society is growing dark. They all may be elements within the mix of this, but we need to examine ourselves and look in the mirror. And I think so much of the dialogue around new generations and younger generations is around, oh my goodness, look at what's happening in society. Look at, look at the trajectory of where our world is going. But I would say this, I'm a product of the modern day church. I've been raised in it my entire life. We need to look at the trajectory of the church, not the world, as the root cause as to the reason why we're seeing some of this with millennials and Gen Z.
0: What sort of church are, um, I wonder, are millennials and Gen Zers looking for? Are they looking for church at all?
1: Well, again, I think it depends how we define church, but they're leaving the church in large numbers and they're not necessarily going to another church down the road. So I think we need to start looking deeply at some of those reasons as to why. And then, yes, yes. Um, Perhaps what are they looking for, but also questions like this, what do they need? What does that generation need in terms of spiritual formation, community formation, uh, for them to be able to have a Christian worldview that's robust enough to survive in today's world? So, for example, if we've got kids who were raised in our modern youth ministries, and again, I'm a part of this, brand, so I'm I'm looking in the mirror <laughs> with this kind of thing. And they've been raised with the best sound systems and LED screens and the coolest sermons. But within two years of going to college or university, at the first attack on their Christian faith, their faith structure falls apart. Again, we need to look at how are we discipling younger generations What does our spiritual formation look like for them? And try to get into the deeper elements of this.
0: Yes. Uh, I wonder whether millennials and Gen Z are actually attracted to community, which brings us back to what you were saying the church is there partly to do, I suppose, to engender and create and simulate community. Is that what millennials and Gen Z are looking for, community, authenticity?
1: I think that's part of it. Uh, When you look at the greatest social need today, I think you can make a pretty good case that that's the loneliness epidemic, mm-hmm. and yes, it's mental health and it's anxiety and it's depression. But the more that research is coming out, the more that a lot of this is pointing back to. Like, let me let me say it to you this way, uh, Brent: What's at the bottom of the well? Right? Like you can you can lower a bucket into a well and draw out toxic water. And you can analyze that water and say, here's what's in the water. But I'm asking this question, but what's at, the, what's at the bottom of the well that's systemically causing the issue? And I would say a lot of the issues that we're experiencing with younger generations is loneliness. Mm. That's what's sitting beneath so much of this. And when you're lonely, you're more prone to suffer depression, isolation. You're more prone to be given to anxiety, languishing, mm. um, rumination, you name it. And loneliness. Oh my goodness. When you look at the statistics on loneliness, I mean, take Gen Z who spend an average of seven hours a day on their smartphone. But did you know this? More than 70% of Gen Z say they're very lonely. Yep. So, again, the numbers are staggering. You're telling me that more than seven out of 10 of that generation don't have a friend to call. Yep. Like it's a massive number. So, I think that presents the church with one of the greatest opportunities because what organization, so to speak, is better poised to solve the problem, the human need for real community as the antidote to loneliness as the local church. But if we're to do that, we have to evolve beyond running something that feels like an event and a concert and realize that day has come and gone, that era, the modern worship era. It doesn't mean that that doesn't stay. It does. But we need to build on top of that what it now looks like amidst great worship and great weekend services. What does real community look like? And the answer that, well, come back for a midweek service where we have small groups, that's an insufficient answer when it comes to solving this need.
0: Mm. Okay, what do we do then? How can we be an in-person community and provide authentic community to millennials, Gen Zers and everybody else, and also be innovative with our digital strategies? Because you very much want to keep both, both things in balance, don't you, as far as I can understand?
1: Yes, I think we need to look at the New Testament as our blueprint for what community is, not, it, not allow it to be formed by culture. So go to the New Testament and say, what what's community? And that's what my white paper takes a, a look at, these seven different dimensions of New Testament community. And when I looked at, for example, the life of Jesus and the amount of times the Gospels refer to the physical touch, where they brought the sick and he touched them, the lame and he touched them, where he broke bread physically, not, not metaphorically break bread, but he broke bread around a real table, a real loaf, a real cup. And then you trace that through the apostles and the early church and you realize how much some of these physical moments really expressed our Christian faith. And it's one of the reasons why during the pandemic we experienced what was called touch starvation, mm. the lack of human connection. We need to couple that with this excitement towards How can we use technology as a tool to both foster community, but also for discipleship and to develop the biblical depth within people?
0: Okay, how do we do that then?
1: Well, the tools that are presented to us, um, Bren, are amazing in terms of what we can do digitally, but we've got to think creatively and innovatively. So let me put it this way. If I'm pastoring in a community, instead of thinking my weekend service is for content and come back midweek at small groups for community. If I shift to that and say, I want to really make sure that we're doing community formation in our weekend experiences somehow. And during the week, there's an opportunity for me to provide spiritual formation through for content, be that... Um, all the variety i mean i don't want to necessarily go into all the different brands and platforms that are available be that videos podcast courses there are so many digital tools available to help people do bible studies go deeper in scripture i'm amazed at what i'm learning through listening to podcasts now having been raised in a church and gone through bible college i feel like every week i listen to a podcast of somebody going deeper in scripture Like i've never heard that before I'm growing so much deeper in my faith through the, the use of technology. But I think we've got to hold that in one hand. We're just starting. We're just at the beginning of what the digital revolution could look like for the oh, church. For sure, for sure. And let's, let's look at the wave of new products and services come, coming out. But combined with this almost old school, robust, but let's, let's make sure we follow the centuries of Christian Orthodox practice i gathering together, breaking bread, right, praying together and growing together as people.
0: Mm. Here's a question for you, Benjamin. That's one I posed to someone, one of my other guests on the show recently who was involved in Christian media. What are we going to do about the metaverse and how are we going to use that?
1: Yeah, I think we need to see the metaverse within a um, digital strategy as a spiritual formation ecosystem. So often our reaction towards any, any new technology as the church is what? Is to reject it. <laughs> and I think if we step back and say, we need to have an ecosystem of technology that helps us with spiritual formation. There's no one technology that will be a silver bullet, but how can we utilize them? So I have four different words that become a framework For any pastor or leader to assess technology, and they are this, number one, reimagine, number two, reevaluate, number three, reconnect, and number four, rebuild. Now, if you put various products and services through those to reimagine them, reevaluate what they can do, how they can help us reconnect, and then rebuild. It enables pastors and churches to redeem these technologies and use them without reacting against them Mm. or without going too far the other way, where we throw out, you know, centuries of Christian practice to say, well, we no longer need that now.
0: Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. I mean, I think we're so far behind in terms of uh, our approach to technology. You know, we're. I mean, uh, the unfortunate. Thing, I mean, in the nineteen sixties. I mean, this was the often heard within evangelical circles, wasn't it? Oh, um, stay away from the media. Don't go into the arts. Don't go into the media. Pastors hold their uh, their students because they're uh, they're worldly, and so every Christian journalist, every Christian radio broadcaster, every Christian actor, artist, dancer, singer left the arts and left the media and right. a, as a result we have a, se- a highly secularized media and what a dumb strategy that was if you'll pardon me yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: yes. and well, so okay. I,
0: I was thrilled a bit to get hold of your book um and uh, and to read it and I'm, I'm really encouraged I think you're absolutely on the ball with us we need a th- really thought through 21st century digital strategy and we need to be working on it absolutely well not-
1: can you c- can can you even imagine The possibilities that exist exist for 21st century missions, social justice, pastoral care, evangelism. Some of the stuff we're seeing right now, the scale is unbelievable. And that's the part about technology that excites me. And I love this phrase, that technology helps and technology hurts. And I don't think that's a contradiction. I think it's just a nuanced approach. I'm a father. I teach my kids the same thing. As a church, we've just got to understand where it helps and where it hurts.
0: Yeah, for sure. Benjamin Windle, a fabulous discussion. Thank you so much, sir. Now, where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you can find me on Instagram, Benjamin Windle, W-I-N-D-L-E, or check out my website, com. I'd love to say hey to you.
0: Thank you, Benjamin, and and thank you for doing this interview while you're in your car, but you are not driving. I hasten to. I'm it. not
1: driving. I'm parked. I'm in the passenger <laughs> seat. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, one of the things I love about doing these podcasts is that people pull up in their cars and talk to me. And I just think how fantastic to be able to do a. Yeah. I mean, I I started in radio uh, about 30 years ago when everything was done over the either live in the radio studio, uh, like a padded cell or. Through a telephone. And um, now here we are in the Zoom age, able to actually. Dial up people on Zoom and communicate with people in Tanzania and Australia and America and England. And See, that's it. Talk right. to people in I'm their saying, right? I mean This is absolutely that's awesome. Right. It's a, it's a, a broadcasting revolution. I don't, you know, and and it's I worked. A and, um, Fifteen years ago, when I started in Christian radio in in England, uh, this network was just starting to do podcasting, and I think we started oh. just before the BBC did, uh, and. Oh. Uh, I said to them at the top, this is going to be a huge thing. This is going to tr- completely transform media. Why is that, they said? Well, I said, you don't need a radio station anymore. anybody, any, right? <laughs> you're, going, you're going to empower the broadcasters. You're going to empower media people because they can sit in their, lou- their bedrooms, as I am at the moment. I'm in my lounge in my house in New Zealand and talk to the world. And so this is this is transformative. Anyway, enough about that.
1: It's totally transformative, and it, and it lends itself to the conversation we've just had. Yeah. Imagine when we have a new generation within, in the church that's empowered to say, go and innovate. Mm. We embrace you. We celebrate you. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. By the innovation, the digital world, I think we're going to see amazing things come out of these new generations.
0: Yes, I've already put a challenge out, and I put it out again. Uh, we need the Book of Revelation in visual, three D form, or whatever form, in the metaverse, please. I don't know. I love it. I don't know who we're <laughs> going to get. I suggested Peter Jackson, but you know, he's the only person I think. We're to workshop in New Zealand. How many? They'd love creating all the beasts and monsters, wouldn't
1: they? And, True, that would be really something else. <laughs> it
0: would be, wouldn't it? I might even email Pisa, you never know. Um, you should. <laughs> I, I joke. Anyway, thank you. Benjamin Windle and his new Barna Ideas paper and ebook uh, is, so it's coming out in, in paperback and in book form and in ebook form. Is that right?
1: So yes, it's already out an ebook. The paperback is launching any day. So by the time listeners go to the website, it may already already be live. But it's already live right now in ebook format.
0: And this is this is a great one, folks. It really is. It's it's um, something I've been looking for for decades. It's really really helpful. Digital church in a lonely world. Benjamin Wendell. Good luck, sir, with all the uh, the ministry and with your sixty second uh it's 60 seconds is it 60 seconds it's, life minute. it's 60
1: seconds 60 yeah that's it that's it yes <laughs>
0: you, can, you can say a lot in one minute thanks so much Peter. god bless thank, thank you very much
1: we really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the god story podcast if you want to help us make more great episodes like this one you can head over to our patreon page and become a god story podcast supporter you'll receive our undying gratitude plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support just visit patreon.com/godstorypodcast that's p a t r e o n.com/godstorypodcast as always you can get in touch with us via our website godstorypodcast.com